Good morning. Glad to be with y'all this morning. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be talking on prayer. And if you're like me, when I hear that, I think, oh man, uh, convicting? Or maybe, uh, that's yeah, that's definitely something I need to work on. Uh, I want to admit to you that my prayer life is not what I want it to be. I would love for it to be more consistent. I would love to be more faithful. But I want to point out someone whose prayer life was impeccable, and that is Jesus Christ. He, in the very first verse of chapter 11 in Luke, he was praying. And he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Could you imagine getting to be with Jesus, getting to spend time with him? I, I mean, I, I, it blows my mind to think about that. And um, I would imagine that the disciples were very fascinated as they watch the Son of God praying and his devotional life and, and his prayer life, what that would have looked like and how that would have been such a amazing opportunity. But certainly they were fascinated by him and they wanted to learn more from him. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus then goes into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And um, he said, when you pray, say this. And he goes and he says, Father, hallowed be your name. And we we know the rest of the the prayer. We know it very well, I'm sure. And I, I wish that we could spend time on that this morning. But that's not where we're going to go. We're actually going to study the parable that immediately follows. But that first word that Jesus uses is Father. And that's where I really want us to capture that for a moment and consider Jesus, obviously, as the Son of God, he had the opportunity and the ability to call God Father. But Jesus here in this prayer, he's not praying himself. He's instructing the disciples how to pray. And in such, he's telling us that we can approach God as Father. That's a powerful thought to, to draw in on. Think about God as Father. Certainly, all of us who have accepted Christ as Savior, we can come to God as Father. And there's this intimacy that we have, this ability to come to Him for, for anything. And Jesus is going to really hone in on that in this parable that follows. But we need to remember that golden thread, that very wonderful truth that we come to God in the context of a relationship and it is an intimate one, we call him Father. It's wonderful. So let's go to verse 5. Read with me. Luke 11, verses 5 through 7. It said, he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. So imagine the scenario that Jesus is painting here. If you could imagine it, especially from a first century Jewish mindset. That's the disciples. That's his immediate audience right there. And what are they thinking? What is going through their minds when he sets up this, this, obviously it's fictitious story, but he's obviously trying to to use that to serve a point. What is going on in their minds? What's going on in our minds? When we hear about this guy who his, he's sitting inside his house, another friend has need, and he comes to him, even though it's late at night, the guy is so rude as to not even come to the door to even give him 
uh, just even just the dignity of answering at the door. He yells at him, sounds like through the house, through the, through the door that, that is shut, and he says, go away. I got nothing for you. Given lame excuses like the kids are already in bed. I can't get up. I got nothing for you. I mean, what is that? That's certainly pretty awful behavior, even by American standards. But when you consider the culture, the context of that day, hospitality was paramount. And certainly also reputation. So this man who needs the bread, he's trying to be hospitable. And this man he's asking of, he's, his reputation is, man, it's dirt at this point. Because he's not even being willing to even just help him out. So those two things, hospitality and reputation, are so paramount in that culture that for this guy to act like that would have been absolutely abhorrable to the disciples. And certainly when Jesus says, which of you would ever have a friend that would do this, the resounding response would have been, no, nobody, no one. No, that's not even part of our cultural paradigm. We can't even imagine somebody being really that rude. This guy's a, really a jerk face. That's what he is. And so, so that being said, Jesus is really kind of trying to get their goat. He's really trying to paint this extreme situation. And we'll understand it more in a second. He goes on to say that in, in verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, meaning the requesters, the guy outside the door, his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So it's interesting that what unfolds, that what Jesus is trying to describe here is that it's not because this guy was a friend. It's not because of some sort of relationship that the guy inside finally gets up and he makes a move and he, and he comes to his aid. It's because of the guy outside, his impudence. Now, again, it's not a word I use every day, and it's been a long time since I took the SAT, so I had to look it up. Impudence means basically brazenness, boldness, even his shamelessness to continue to ask. He's asking, he has a need, and he's being persistent in that ask. All right, And the guy inside finally gets up and responds to his need. Then Jesus goes on, to give a direct application to the disciples and certainly also to us. He says, I tell you, ask. And the implication would be, ask God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is telling us to ask. He's saying, just ask. I pray that if you hear nothing else from me this morning, seriously, like if if I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, if, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, it's I hope that the two words that you hear running through your mind consistently after this service is just ask. That's what God is calling us to. That's what he wants us to do is to come to him. He is our father He wants us to ask. He's going to proceed, though, and continue with an analogy. He says this. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? See, the the reality is, is that as fathers, as parents, 
when our kids come to us and have a need, we're going to give them what they, they need, right? We're going to take care of them, right? We're not going to give them everything they want, but we're going to take care of their needs. We're not going to, certainly, we're not going to give them something harmful when they're asking for something that they need, right? We're not going to give them a serpent, a scorpion. I could imagine you know, when my son Hudson was really small and he came to me and saying, Daddy, I'm thirsty. I want something. To, can I have something to drink? I could never have imagined filling his sippy cup with mud and saying, here you go, kid. You know, have fun with that. It's just, that's not even in our uh, mindset. It's not even imaginative to say that we're going to do something harmful. Now, let me illustrate this a little bit differently. My wife, Erica, is an exceptional cook. I mean, she's, she's really good. She's gifted. And she can make these dishes that I don't even know how to pronounce, but she can also make common, run-of-the-mill, ordinary dishes uh, amazing. She, make a, she can make a meatloaf that'll make you sing the Hallelujah Chorus. I mean, it's crazy how she's really good. And I like to eat, so we got a good thing going here. So it, the, the thing is, is that um, as good as she is at cooking, I, on the other hand, I am terrible. I really am. I, you guys, I mess up Hamburger Helper. It's awful. It really is it's tragedy. But so because I'm so bad... I don't really pursue it at, to any degree. And because she's so good, I have no need to. But you can imagine how the wheels fall off whenever she's out of town, especially when the kids are younger. Callie, our daughter, she's 11. She's getting to be pretty proficient in the kitchen. So I'm, I'm enjoying her life stage right now because whenever mommy's gone, I just ask Callie, hey, could you cook us up something? And she's more than glad to do that. But when the kids were younger and Erica would be out of town, it would be bad, you guys. It really was. Because uh, the kids would start kind of moaning, Daddy, we can't have cereal four meals in a row. I mean, you just, and, you know, and, and of course, Erica was good. She would try to take care of us and get the fridge stocked, the pantry all set up, and a meal kind of schedule all planned out. But inevitably, I'd come to the pantry, and I'd start reading stuff, and I'd go, wait, this requires mixing and heating. I, I, I just don't do that. I'm not good at it. And so kids, all right. All right, so you're done with cereal. I get it. Um, all right, not only, let me admit this as well. Not only am I a terrible cook, but I'm also pretty cheap. So when it came to, you know, uh, all right, so if we're going to go out to eat, let me check my punch cards real quick, see what kind of freebies I can scrounge up. Freebirds. Oh, yeah, I think I got enough points for a burrito. Let's go to Freebirds, kids. Chick fil A. What do we got at Chick fil A this month? The freebie this month is. Uh, peppermint shake. Eh, it's got dairy in it. Okay, let's, all right, we, we can do that for dinner. Let's go. All right, come on. And so, you know, I mean, it's awful, right? But, and I'm making fun of myself, but the point being is that as pathetic as I am at cooking and even as cheap as I am, the truth is, is that when Erica would get home, the kids were okay. They did not starve. They ate food as many times during the day as they needed to, as they wanted to. And they're good, okay? So consider that extreme, though. Consider how, I mean, even if I'm hitting baseline health standards, right, they're still fed. I'm still taking care of them. We, we worked it out. How much more so can our Heavenly Father provide for our needs? And that's exactly where Jesus is going. He says that if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
You see, Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. He's trying to help us to understand this this parable and his lesson in prayer by painting this extreme circumstance. This guy in the parable was so utterly outside of anything that the disciples could have imagined. Yet Jesus tells them he still got up and gave food to his friend. He still got up and got him what he needed. So if that is true on this extreme far out example, how much more so when we have our heavenly father who is not reluctant to respond to our needs and Certainly, whenever Jesus said it's not because of their friendship that he finally got up, how much more so can we expect and we can, we can anticipate that God wants to meet our needs? He wants to provide for us because he's our father. He's our good, good father, and he's our heavenly father. What he's telling us to do is just ask. Now, if you think about this, we've got these two extremes. We've got this man who's reluctant to respond. We've got God who is absolutely ex- excited and willing to respond. So that drives us to consider the contrasts. There's contrasts that are embedded both in the parable, but also in what we know of humans and God's character. The first one that I think about when I see this parable is to think about the fact that God is not inconvenienced. You see, this guy, he's reluctant, he's inconvenienced, he doesn't want to have to get up when his kids are already in bed and the door's already shut. For whatever reason, that was so difficult for him to walk however many steps away it was and open the door, I have no idea. But of course, that's what Jesus was trying to dis- uh, demonstrate to us. That's what he's trying to illustrate, is that, that, that God, on the other hand, at the far other side of the spectrum, is not convenience at all, uh, inconvenience at all. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to ask. In fact, you think about it, that God is absolutely, um, he, he's never on vacation. He never has his autoresponder on his email set up. He never has us go straight to voicemail. He's constantly, always, 24-7, always available. Second of all, God is not limited in resources. You see, in a human, from a strictly human perspective, it, it could fall to say that this guy may not have wanted to respond to his friend's need simply because he himself had very limited things to offer. So it is with all of us. We are limited in our own resources and limited in what we can do, how we can help even each other, even those we, we want to help desperately. But for God, he's infinite. And he has made everything that exists. There is nothing that is impossible for him. He is not limited in his own self, and he's not limited in his resources and his abilities to provide for us. Lastly, God is completely other than us. I mean, he really doesn't even fit on the spectrum when you start to look at the polar opposites. God is completely different than us. We can be selfish and stingy, and we can have all kinds of variations of that, of our human nature taking, taking over and, and being reluctant to, to serve or to, to care for someone who has need. But for God, he's holy, he's righteous, he's compassionate, 
He's selfless. So he's completely other than us. When we think about the magnitude of God, when we think about how great he is and how he's unlimited, begins to make us pause, though, because when we start to talk about God in prayer, we think about, well, he certainly is you know, omniscient, omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere at, at, at all times. So why should we pray? Because he actually knows our requests before we say them, and he certainly even knows them before we even know that we have the need. So why would God want us to come to him in prayer? Well, remember the, the golden thread, the first thing that we talked about, that we approach him as Father. God delights in relationship. God delights in our relationship with him. And so consider this. I read a really good book over the, the, the Christmas break. It was, a, it was about the secret service, the men and women who protect our president and foreign diplomats and other people in public service, the first family. This book contained testimonies and stories of secret service agents from the last 50 years. Very, very interesting. Lots of behind-the-scenes insights on the lives of the presidents and the men, who, men and women who protect them. But I was, as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking about how well-guarded our president is, and I very much appreciate that fact that he is a very protected personality. I also think about how important he is and think about me as average Joe citizen of the United States. I have like zero access to the president of the United States. I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of status I would have to have, you know, like Billy Graham status. That's not going to happen. So, you know, and then also I can't can't even imagine what kind of of out-of-this-world crazy request that would grab the attention of the White House staff, you know, that would be enough to give me five minutes audience with the president of the United States. I just can't imagine. I will most likely never have access to this man. And he's just a man. But think about this on the other side of the spectrum. The God of the universe that has existed from all of eternity, that has made all that exists, he beckons us. He calls us. And he gives us 24-hour unlimited access to the throne room of heaven. That is a powerful thought to consider. He wants us to come. He's never inconvenienced by a request. He wants us to come to him. God also desires our dependence. I consider, I, could, I think about the fact that I'm pretty good with asking from him the things that I know are totally outside of my grasp, outside of my ability to make happen on my own, right? The things that are big, right? Those things... I'm pretty good about coming to him and asking. It's the things that I feel like I can handle, those smaller things, those seemingly insignificant things, that I'm really poor about coming to him and asking. And what's true about God is that he wants us to be dependent on him. I don't know if it's because I'm male or because I'm American, God bless America, or because I'm both. I don't know what it is. But... I think that maybe that I feel this self-sufficiency, that I think that I can do it on my own. And even still, probably a lot of us as 
you know, in our American mindset that we should be responsible to do it on our own. We need to take care of that. You need to handle that. That's our mindset. But really, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an awful error in our thinking when it comes to coming to God. He wants us to be dependent on him for everything, big and small. He wants us to ask. Think about an a, a illustration to kind of help flush this out. A couple of summers ago, when Erica and I and our family, were, were, we were still living in Dallas, we had this HOA swimming pool that especially the kids and I were really enjoying getting to go swimming almost every night. We were kind of in this rhythm where we'd eat dinner and then we'd go swim for the evening. And I was enjoying it. The kids were having a blast. I was loving the time, just the, the good memories that we were making. But somewhere around the late summer, we lost our pool key, the little RFID pool key that helps that opens the gate. And so what happened as a result, it was just really thrown us off, off of our rhythm because we had to have a key to get into our pool area. The, the HOA that we had actually had a guard there, and you had to have a key to get in. People couldn't just let you in. And what's more is we, we started trying to borrow from neighbors, trying to borrow their pool key and, and get in, but... And inevitably, it just started to kind of be inconvenient because either they were out of town or they couldn't find their key or, you know, ask somebody else. It's just all kind of, kind of crazy. Well, what was really frustrating about this, because we, you know, truth be told, we could have paid the, the fee and we could have got it replaced. I know, I'm super cheap. But the point is, is we knew that it was in the house. We, that's why we were really frustrated. We knew it was somewhere in the house. And apart from just totally just ripping everything apart and trying to find it, we just we, we were so frustrated. So, you know, a couple weeks go on, and um, it was just one of those silly, this is such a silly illustration, but Erica and I were going to bed, we were praying together, and I just lobbed this one up to God. I said, God, help us find this pool key. You know, I, we, it'd be nice to have the pool key so we can just, you know, be able to go to the pool when we want to. Well... The next morning, the very first conscious thought that I had was Erica standing next to the bed, rattling this little keychain, saying, look what I found. It was the pool key. She found it the very next morning. And what was so cool about that was that we were able to immediately connect the dots. We were able to say, God, we prayed about that. That is so cool. You responded almost immediately, and we found the pool key. That was you. That was totally you. And I think that's ultimately what we need to recognize is that God wants us to pray about everything because God is at work all the time. He is constantly at work in our lives all around us. He is orchestrating events. He is involved in, in all of our day-to-day, even our most mundane, silly routines, everything. And he is protecting and providing always behind the scenes, beyond even things that we don't even ever know that he's doing. But when we come to him, when we pray and we ask and we seek him, even on the littlest things, what happens in our own hearts is that we begin to connect the dots. And the things that we tend to... um, that we tend to try to manage on our own, those silly little things, those seemingly insignificant things, the things that we perceive are simply things that we just, we handled it. We 
we think just that, that we handled it and that we did it and that, hey, high five to ourselves and pat our own back. But when we pray about those things and we seek him, we recognize his hand at work and we give him the glory that he deserves. That's what we need to be about. And that's why he wants us to come to him in relationship. He delights in that relationship. He desires our dependence and he deserves the glory. Now, I recognize that as we talk through and we consider the, um, you know, even as I share that silly illustration about the pool key, I, I realize that that's a, it's a difficult thing to talk about prayer and to not admit that there's a mystery about prayer and there's a mystery in how God responds to our prayer. We don't know exactly why uh, as he's, he's working behind the scenes and oftentimes we will come to him with heavy, heavy burdens. Things that we've been praying about for years, maybe even a lifetime, that for whatever reason, it seems as though he has remained silent. And I come to you just to say I, I don't know why sometimes he doesn't answer prayers. Sometimes he answers, and he answers very affirmatively. We can see the yes, we can see the no, and sometimes, like Garth Brooks, we can thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, but, but the truth be told, we also have prayers that we've been praying for many, many years, and we don't know why those seem to be going unanswered, or why he has said no, or wait for so long. And I realize that, that that's part of our human experience. I, I don't have any answers for that. But I do know this, that God can be trusted, that he wants us to come to him as father. He has this wonderful relationship. We have this beautiful relationship that we can come to him and we can ask. And he wants us to come and ask. But truly, he wants us to come to him, to seek him, to continue to knock. He wants us to just ask. And so as we close this morning, I wanted to take a moment for us to be able to actually put this into practice, to actually take, the, take a, a few minutes where we could actually, as a church family, as a group, we could actually pray for one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few minutes open mic prayer requests. And I want you guys to share what is it that we can pray for you about. Because we, need, we want to come to God and ask. We want to make your requests known to one another and to Him. And so in, this, in these few moments, if you would please share with us the things that you have uh, that are on your hearts, things that we can be praying for you, even this week, maybe things that are going on in your life, in your family, maybe a medical concern or whatever it is. Here's the deal. If you would, go ahead and stand where you are. I'm going to come to you with a mic. If you would share your name, and then if you would briefly share your requests so that we can pray for those things. Matt, in just a moment, he's going to come up, and he's going to actually pray for all the things that you guys share within this, uh, within this time. And then he's going to close us up with a few announcements. But we would love to know what we can be praying about 
for each one of you guys. So again, let us know. What is it we can pray for? Thanks, Lauren. Hi, my name is Laura, and I have a prayer that my brother and his fiance will find the Lord again. Mm, thanks, Laura. Thank you. My name is Corrine, and uh, please pray that I will be bold and to be able to share the gospel uh, in love and truth to my family this mm. week. Awesome. Thanks, Corrine. Um, I'm Sally, and we have four daughters. Um, our third one is 22, and um, our requests would be that um, she and her boyfriend would, uh, that God would just give them the gift of repentance, that he would draw them to him. Uh, I guess pray for us to have healed hearts and more lovingness in our family. Hi, I'm Christy, and I just uh, pray that my mother's test results come out okay. She's having some tests to rule out breast cancer. What's her name? Lisa. My name is Rick, and I just ask for peace and healing in my extended family right now. My brother and his wife will not even speak to my mother or stepdad, so I just pray for healing and peace. Hi, my name is Letha. And about 18 months ago, we were in a car accident, a serious car accident, and I had a spinal injury. And for the last 18 months, I've been in a lot of pain. And I'm healing, but I'd like to pray for complete healing. Mm -hmm. I'm now in physical therapy just two days a week. So just pray for my continued healing. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Letha. My name's Scott, and I just want to lift up prayers for all the unspoken prayers this morning that aren't getting said, that everyone has on their minds. Uh, My name is Warren, and this is my wife, Julie. Um, But I just want for y'all to lift up prayers for my son, Titus, who has epilepsy and has uh, seizures um, often. And so just pray for healing and wisdom for us. Thank you guys so much for sharing those, being bold to tell us about those so that we can ask. Um, I'm grateful for you guys, and this will be a, a great time for us to get to just share these requests and, and make, uh, make them known to God. So thank you guys so much. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time and convicted, as we just heard from Luke 11, that you are powerful and you are loving. Father, we know there are requests in here, like Scott just mentioned, that are unspoken, that people, all of us have carried in, that may be too personal, too sensitive, too challenging to feel that we can share in this context Father, we pray that you would ease our hearts and minds, and we pray that every person in this room would find a friend, a safe place with whom to share even those requests that are unspoken here this morning. And we pray that you would encourage our hearts in that regard, that that you are in control. Father, we pray for Laura, for her brother and fiance. Pray that they would return to you. I pray that they would be convicted through your spirit of their need to trust in you. Father, uh, for Corrine, that she would have boldness to share the gospel with her family this week. Lord, we we know there are uh, many in this room who have family members who need to know of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the saving life that he provides. And I pray particularly for Corrine to share boldly and truthfully with her family uh, this week. Father, we pray for Sally, for their daughters to return to you. I pray that you would bring them through your kindness and love to repentance, to a place of 
a restored relationship with you. And I pray, let that family trust you as they wait. Uh, Father, for Joe and his wife, that their hearts would be filled with the love of Christ, that they would live for Jesus and walk moment by moment, step by step, closely with him. Father, we pray for Christy, for her mom's test this week, uh, for Lisa's test for breast cancer. We pray that that test would come out clear. But, Father, in the midst of their waiting, we pray they would trust you. I pray that Lisa would trust you, so would Christy, so would the whole family, that they would know that you are the maker of life, that your son died and rose again, that there is no sin or sickness or death that will ultimately defeat you. And so I pray that they would trust in you in the midst of that waiting. Pray for uh, Rick and for his family, that you would bring really a reconciliation and healing in his extended family. I pray that everybody involved in this conflict would be able to extend one another forgiveness through Jesus. If any of them do not yet have a relationship with you through Jesus, I pray that they would trust in him. For those who need to return to him, I pray they would. I pray for Greg and Letha as they... um, as they wrestle through the, the, the challenges following the car accident uh, that, that they were in, I pray particularly for her spine and for the pain that she's been in, that that pain would dissipate. Father, I pray that you would give her relief, and I pray she would trust you in that process. I pray for her doctors to give them wisdom, um, and we pray for healing for her spine. Father, we pray for the Reichel family, for Warren, for Julie, um, as they lean on you in the midst of these challenges with Titus in particular, and we pray that you would heal his body. Father, we pray that they would constantly remember you're with them, you love them, and you care for them. Father, I pray that both of their little boys would come to know Jesus and trust him in whatever challenges and trials lay ahead for them and for their family. I pray they really would place the full weight of their hope on the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that we would be a community marked by love for everyone you have made. Uh, Father, knowing that every single person is within reach of your saving grace and of the grace of Jesus and his kindness. Father, I pray we would be a community that extends that kindness and grace as we preach the word of God, as we preach the good news Father, I pray as we reach out into our communities that we would be a light for the truth and the grace that is reflective of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this time, and we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.